You ready to talk about Sabrina? This is not Sabrina. Because that's a real one. There is a real horror comic about Sabrina. Do, 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 Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the newest comic duo, Davis, a dabbler in many disciplines with a voice that can soothe and persuade. Mike, a fanatical specialist with a mouth like a bullhorn, fueled by strong opinions and a compulsion to share them with microphones and comics in hand. They are Jacks of Trades. Hey everybody, I'm Mike. And I'm Davis. And this is Jacks of Trades. On Jacks of Trades, we read, review, and rate trade paperbacks and graphic novels from major and indie comic publishers. We're not experts, we just love hanging out and talking about comics. What's going on, Davis? Uh, it's going pretty well, Mike. It's going pretty well. Just, you know, I'm uh, holding on to this comic book. You're holding on to a tablet with your excessive amount, reasonable amount of notes. Eh, it's a little heavy today. Good, good, yeah. good, good. Because I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to talking about this one. Yeah, it's it's a it's a heavy book. Mm-hmm. It's there's a lot to unpack. Very which I'm very much. excited to hopefully do within a reasonable time frame. Oh, I mean, I think we got. Well, if that's the case, you want to just just jump right into this thing, feet first. Oh, uh, sure. Why not? Excellent. All so, right. So, what are we reading, reading today, Davis? Uh, we are reading Witches uh, with a Y instead of an I, Volume One. Yep, Witches Volume One, published by Image, uh, year 2015 for this trade. Uh, it was an ongoing ish one through five came out and it has never officially ended but it's also not officially continuing anytime soon oh so it's like the, it's like umbrella academy yeah the writer keeps like teasing things here and there uh, a couple months ago he actually took a picture from his some balcony in maine i think he did a house on the water or whatever he was like oh i think uh, i think the artist's uh, first run through of prince just came through in a message in a bottle or something like i don't know right. some some teaser that they're working on some stuff which uh, I, I hope so soon, because um, a lot of questions. A lot yeah, of questions. Uh, a lot we're of gonna, questions, things that need to be answered. We're going to dive in. So, yeah, these issues came out October 2014 through May 2015. I uh, had a couple delays. That's why it's not a full uh, five months, right. six months in a row, whatever it was. Yeah, like I said, technically still an active series. Uh, allegedly started working in uh, September 2016 of, a, uh... of Volume 2, but have heard nothing yet, so... I guess a little bit of a extended hiatus. Yeah, maybe it, it's a it's a creator owned through Image, oh, and it usually does happen with those creator owned books. Is they kind of work on their schedule. There's no oppressive uh, overhead because it's their money. It's their creative work. Right, you know? right. Speaking of creators, uh, the writer Scott Snyder. Are we in relation to Zack Snyder? I hope not. Okay. Very uh, very well known comic writer. Currently, he's doing All Star Batman for DC. Okay. And him and Greg Capullo will be doing. This summer's big DC event. Yeah, just released or announced over the weekend. It was a big comic convention for like uh, industry types. Right, like a trade con. Yeah, I, I think it's called uh, it's called uh, Dark Knights, like N-I-G-H-T-S, Metal or Metals or something like that. We do. Excellent. Yeah, so excellent, besides excellent. Uh, All-Star Batman, uh, he's also known for um, his runs on Detective he did a lot of work on Swamp Thing during the New 52. Hey, you like Swamp Thing. Yeah, I do. I do like Swamp Thing. And uh, he's known for American Vampire. Okay. Now, now I, I, looking at the people in the front cover, do you find it ironic that someone's last name is Jock? Not his last name. That's his first name? That's his name. 
His name's just Jock. He goes. He goes one name. Share style. Madonna style. Prince style. There we go. Yeah. Name's Jock. Known for his work on Judge Dredd and The Losers. And then our colorist, who we normally don't pay a lot of attention to, but we'll explain a little later. Uh, he's really integral to this book. Uh, Matt Hollingsworth uh, did a lot of work on Preacher. Ooh, I like me some Preacher. I did a lot of work on Alias, which was the big uh, series that made Jessica Jones popular. And J.J. Abrams. Yep. Yeah, and is well, no, not that Alias. Not the J.J. Abrams show. Not even a little bit. No Jennifer Garner. Damn it. Okay. She's relegated to Electroland. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and uh, noteworthy, uh, it's the first horror book on the show. Never done anything specifically in the horror wheelhouse? Yeah, I mean, uh, Johnny was kind of graphic, but it wasn't horror. Yeah, no, no. Th- okay. Th- th- this one is really an attempt to tell a horror story. Hey, congratulations, you tricked me into reading something horror. Uh, yeah, uh, personally, I love uh, horror as a medium, so I was really excited to, to get into this. I'm um, really excited that you didn't pay enough attention to know that before you started reading it. Yep. So let's dive right in. Issue one. We open with this very creepy forest at night. Uh, we see a mouth appearing in uh, one of those like owl holes in a tree. Yeah. It's it's not a knot hole because it's big, but. Right. Um, like, just where, like a, where a branch was at one time. Yeah. 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 Th- but there's just like a mouth in the hole. Like not like the tree has a mouth. Like there's a person right. in the trunk. And it's all hollowed out. Uh, and there's a woman is like somehow inside this hollowed out tree. She's begging for help because something's yes. coming for her. Missing a nose. Yeah, she's bleeding. Uh, it's it's not a good time for her. I'm not going to lie, man. Getting stuck in a tree isn't a good time for anyone. There's a Winnie the Pooh episode about that. Yes, that classic horror episode of Winnie the Pooh. Oh, yeah, dude. The one, the one where Piglet gets possessed and Rabbit has to fight him off with a broken bottle. If you can convince IDW to make this series, I'll read it. Done. Okay, works for me. So... Her son, Timothy, shows up and, uh, hey, Ma, why are you in a tree? Mm-hmm. To which she tells him, oh, Timothy, I was pledged, which I don't know what that means. She was pledged like uh, like that furniture polish pledge. Either a furniture polish thing or she's getting hazed or a fraternity. Yeah, e- either one. Uh, and she's asking Timothy for help. So what does he do? Cracks her over the face with a rock yeah. and tells her pledged is pledged. Then we see these fingers come from behind her, like wrap around her face, and then she's just like screaming in horror. Just sucked into this tree. Yeah, and then it says, Cray Family, 1919. And that's the year of this this particular event. Now we fast forward to 2014. Very uh, not dark, thankfully. Uh, I need a little light. A little little, uh, little little aggressive way to open. Norman Rockwellian. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're introduced to the Rooks family. Sailor Rooks, she's the daughter of the family. The typical redhead, glasses, beanie-looking teenager. I went pinkhead. Uh, more, more, more of a hair dye, or do you think that's just a color choice? I think more of a color choice. You know, kind of how in, how they randomly have blue hair of people, even though it's like people don't normally have blue hair. I think it was an aesthetic one, because it pops more little, so. A little bit the, of whimsy. Well, the background is mostly this kind of like dirt, arid-looking thing, so they got to have this nice red to pop and contrast with everything. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll give you that one. Uh, yeah, she's worried about her first day at this new school, and her father's trying to quell her anxiety. By talking about butts. Way-ish. Uh, he has this old technique that he uses from her childhood, um, where they basically create these scenarios where she slays ridiculous mythical creatures. One of them does involve butts. Yes. 
Because, well, they're dealing with hippogriffs, and hippogriffs have butts. Well, all animals, most animals have butts. I mean, a fair number of animals. If they have a one-track digestive system, then yes, they have a butt. Uh, so she's worried um, that the kids will know about her. All right. Uh, we don't know what they're supposed to know or not know. But sure enough, as soon as she gets on the bus, some kid's like, I think that's her. Which, uh, yeah, um, she rides to school in the back, all nervous now. Mm-hmm. Which there's nothing there's nothing worse than looking around at people and looking at them and thinking, wait, do they know something that I don't know that they know? And they do. And they do. They do. We see her in science class where she uh, kind of makes a friend-ish. As uh, a girl sitting next to her that warns her about their science teacher. Apparently, he's a dick brusher. He is a dick brusher. He's, uh, if, he gets, if he gets friendly with you and thinks you're really cool... Just rubs his dick up against you. Now, not 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 like all like open about it. Just like oh, walks a little too close. Yeah, it's a little dick brush. A little weird. It's, it's kind, still odd. It's kind of like how when uh, in high school, school teacher, how in high school one of the social studies teachers, you'd sit all the hot girls up at the front and then make sure that the um, uh, air conditioning was blowing on that part of the classroom. That's real weird. Oh yeah, dude. That the things you missed by not going to a co-ed high school. The worst we had ninth grade year of geography. We had the basketball coach mm-hmm. who liked to put his foot on the desk when he was talking one-on-one to you. Ooh. So his crotch was Scrooge. just face level. And that, I mean, he, he's wearing pants, but it's still kind of weird oh God, to just, a teenager who's trying to come to terms with his own sexuality, let alone be that close to a grown man's wiener. That hurts me a little bit on the inside. So, um, yeah, she gets warned about the dick brusher teacher. And then as soon as she thinks she might have a normal human moment with somebody for the first time all day, the girl asks, so did you kill her? Boom, flashback. All the colors are now muted. You can tell it's dark and it's nighttime. And it is Sale, our female protagonist, with a girl that looks like a, you know, kind of an overbrooding bully character. She's drawn very, uh, very masculine. Yeah, big, as far as big body-wise. And, big and aggressive. Very masculine. Over, mm-hmm. uh, overpowering. It yes, would be. absolutely. She's being confronted by this bully in the woods. And apparently this bully's been terrible enough to sailor that she brought a knife right. to this bully confrontation fight. Uh, um, yeah, altercation. Yeah. Um, so she brought a knife. Yeah. To be fair, for what we know about Sailor's character now and probably going forward, most likely it's just a hollow threat. I don't think she was ever planning on using said knife. Mm-hmm. But with such a big imposing bully, she needed some kind of... Something to keep on the same level. something to try and level it out. Kind of doesn't work, though, uh, because... Bully brings a gun to a knife fight. But, yeah. So now, it's about to get rough, folks. Yeah. The bully is going to have Sailor masturbate with the knife handle, and she's going to film it so she can post it and everybody at school can see it. Right. Like, this is... This is not the bullying they had to deal with back in the 1980s. Like, now, the bully never really gives a reason why she's so awful. Uh, and the story doesn't either. You know, She just keeps repeating over and over again. She doesn't care. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering what in the background is going on here in this bully's life. Right. To get you to be this, like, how did you get to this point? Right. Like, that's, that's some psychotic level crap. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, unanswered questions. But... Uh, the bully hears this noise coming from a nearby tree, uh, very similar to that tree from the beginning. Yes, uh, the way they the way they it out is chits, and like the only way I can think to describe it is possibly the predator sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of kind of that clicking. Yeah, 
that like like uh, repetitive clicking noise. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I could see that. Uh, yeah, so she goes towards the tree, and uh, clawed hands just kind of jump out of the hole, grab her, fold her in half, and just pull her through this hole in the tree. Yeah, very, very similar to, like, about the same size as the one previously mentioned the beginning of the comic. Yeah, real quick, real visceral, real graphic, and then that's it. Just boom. Yep. Moment. This is just living in Sailor's memory now. Yep. She just has to kind of exist with this going on in there. Mm-hmm. Watching someone get folded up in a tree. Pretty, uh, it's, it's gotta be rough. No wonder you're, uh, you're a little nervous about all this. Mm-hmm. So we get to uh, Sailor being tucked in bed, uh, and she's kind of struggling with uh, her guilt of the situation. Like, you know, uh, what if I made it happen? Like, she didn't actually do anything. Right. But she wanted the bully to leave her alone bad enough to bring a knife to their meeting. Right. You know, like, seri- there was some real you know, animosity here. And she's like, well, maybe I, I don't know, projected it out into the world, did something. Yeah. Willed it into of, being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, no one, including uh, her father, really believes the whole witch story. Like the whole hands coming out of whatever. Right. Um, everybody just kind of thinks, uh, you know, she was hit in the head with the gun, like the bully pistol whip. So, right. So everybody thinks, oh, you know, you were hit in the head, you're hallucinating, you know, something happened. Whatever. And then she ran away or something. Yeah, the bu- bully's yeah. crazy, whatever. So, yeah, she's still trying to process this, but everybody's very dismissive in true horror movie fashion. No, you're just a kid. It's it's a recurring theme. It's going to happen over and over again. While she's in her room uh, sleeping, she kind of hears this noise outside in the trees. Fact checker Greg, I need you to pull up the chit noise from Predator. The chit again. And sees this, like, wiry figure perched in the tree mouth dripping blood yeah when we're and we're not talking like perched normally we're talking like like the grunge style where like one knee is higher than the shoulder just this yeah, like, very like, contorted looking body very spindly thing that's compacted into a small space um she screams and dad comes running and then we have this weird short scene of this figure kneeling in the woods like just on the outskirts of the lawn just pulling teeth out of its mouth hmm. yeah we're, I mean, gonna, it, we just get a nice little silhouette shot of these kind of just demon-looking, animal-looking yeah, I don't, teeth. I don't know. What, yeah, like um, this, this is definitely a meat-eater teeth because they're very pointy. They're not really have a. They don't have a, like a dull edge to them for grinding and like a, like a nut. What do we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Sailor's dad runs in uh, and just basically says, "My God, end of issue." Yeah. Uh, issue all, one. All I can think of though is is like if you picked this up off the shelves, not knowing what it was about. And this is the thing you were greeted with. This is the experience you had. Like, how do you, like, if you're me personally, I'm like, this is amazing. You know, I, right. I, I want to see what's going to happen. There's so many questions get opened. You know, I, I want these answers now. But if you were not prepared for this kind of story, maybe you're just like, oh, it's a fun, you know, kind of Sabrina. Yeah. Like, what if you just really didn't know, like how, how unfortunate for you. Anyway, issue two. Uh, two tells uh, kind of three mini stories about the Rooks family. It just kind of jumps back and forth between these three characters. Uh, you have Charlie, the father, Lucy, the mother, and Sailor, who we've addressed already. Yes. Now, uh, we have not talked about the mother yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to her in a second. Though. Okay. Yeah. The issue really jumps around, and it makes a lot of sense uh, for the setting and the scene and, and you know, the, the emotional point the story wants you to be in while you're reading it. Right. But it's very hard to talk about that. So I kind of split them up by character and, and kind of what I felt was the best order 
to kind of deal with this. Solid. So uh, Charlie runs in, the father, to find Sailor bleeding from her neck with a broken window and screaming that she came back. Presumably Annie, the bully. Yeah. Who, who we're guesstimating here. Uh, to be fair, the thing in the tree was way too thin to be Annie. Yeah, definitely had feminine-looking shoulders. Mm-hmm. But in true horror film fashion, everyone thinks she's crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. But this this wound in a couple days kind of turns into this lump on her neck. Looks almost like a, like a like a cyst. I was about to say, um, uh, a heavily agitated cyst. Because I've had a cyst before, and it definitely did not look that menacing. Well, it wasn't given to you by a weird tree creature. It was a bull weevil. We find this out as Charlie uh, is talking to his editor, Reg. I'm assuming short for Reginald. Uh, I was going to say short for Reggie, short for Reginald. Yeah, they address him as Reggie once, I think, in the story. Because Charlie's a children's book writer. Right. That's his job. And uh, he is kind of going to the story with Reg, Reg, but he's also telling about the personal family situation. Uh, Because as we know from the first issue, they just moved to this town. They just dealt with, you know, that bully nonsense mm-hmm. and, and everything. So they're, they're really at a weird place right now. And uh, what, what is he doing with his, uh, what's, what's, what's Reggie helping him with? Uh, he is setting up a power chair that goes up and down the stairs. And why is that? Because Charlie's wife, Lucy, is paralyzed. Yes. From the waist down, paralyzed. And we'll get there. But uh, one really cool moment about Charlie dealing with Sailor is uh, read for the the fans, the people at home. You may not be fans. You're probably just listening. But read for the people at home how Charlie describes having children to Reggie. It's while they're fixing the power chair. Never have them, Reg. I swear, you're never free. You love them too much. It's like a vital organ walked out of your body and is out there in the fucking world waving hi to people and you fear for it all day, every day, because if something happened to it, really encompasses how Charlie feels about Sailor, just, and, and how this interaction plays out throughout the whole thing is is just this very well-meaning, concerned parent. But I just love the description of it. It's like having a an organ. That just comes outside of your body and is walking not, around the not world. Not just an organ, a vital organ. We're not talking about having your appendix running around. This is like, no pancreas. A, appendix can get hit by a car. This That's is no fine. kidney number one. No, 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 no. Don't. Mm-mm. Both kidneys are vital to do. I like drinking. I mean, that for you, maybe. Mm. Okay, jump to Sailor's Day. Sailor's a swim class, and uh, that girl from chemistry who so bluntly asked her if she killed a girl uh, has decided to apologize. Things are looking up. Right? She's like, hey, sorry for being a dick back there and bringing it up in Kim. I should have brought it up at a more opportune time to ask if you killed someone. Awesome. You know, a little little, little bit of validation. Sailor's feeling good. She's about to dive. She looks mm-hmm. out the window and sees one of those things in the woods. So things are not looking up. Just when something good was happening, something bad's happening. As always. Sailor can't catch a break. Poor Sailor. But enough of Sailor. We jump to Lucy. Who's the mom? We haven't seen mm-hmm. her yet. Lucy's in the hospital. Uh, we see she's a doctor talking to a, you know, injured child. You know, they have that bandage on their head. Pretty it, aggressively injured. I think he's in a coma. That, that, aggressively injured? Yeah. I mean, you don't get knocked on a coma by getting hit in the head with a tennis racket. There's it, it, a lot of bandages. There's a lot of bruises. a lot of scrapes. Right. Um, there, there's at least one bandage on the shoulder and a head wrap. Yeah. And she's lamenting that she can't do more in her, I guess, currently paralyzed state. 
you know, we still haven't gotten her whole story, but it looks kind of like she maybe recently uh, paralyzed, you know, maybe we're not sure yet. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the boy wakes up and points at her wheelchair. Uh, Real, real socially acceptable there, Chief. Yep. Boy, he's a kid. Real sensitive. Hey, he's a kid. She kind of realizes what he's asking. So, Davis, I want you to read this interaction between the two. I was, yes, I hit a deer. What'd you really hit? What? I can smell it on you. Someone by you was pleasure. <coughs> you should rest. Come on now. Was that pledge, Davis? Is, is someone pledged? It sounds like someone got pledged. Hey, it's hard to tell because he starts coughing. He starts hacking up a lung. Yeah, well, he, he definitely gets most... I think he misses the E on the end of pledge, but yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, um, at this point... Do you know what pledged means, Davis? Because I got nothing. No, I just know that something you, you use the clean furniture. I well, I, I know when you say it, it's a little boy hits you in the face with a rock. Yeah, it's true. Pledge that, that is pledged. <clears throat> yeah, so Lucy uh, is on her way home after this harrowing experience. Kind of weird. Uh, calls Charlie to tell him about the biopsy results for that lump on uh, Sailor's neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're inconclusive. Not only are they inconclusive, but they're really strange. The the cells that they took out of this lump are old. Like older than Lucy, old lady old. Yeah, like old lady old. And and the scratch itself, it's like a series of like weird lacerations and things. So it's like, is it a scratch? Is it a bite? Is it a wound from an object? Yeah. Um, Don't really know. So while she's on this, uh, this drive home, uh, and I guess sparked by that boy's reaction... Uh, she's kind of reliving the accident that paralyzed her. She's kind of playing it through in her mind. Uh, we see her about to hit something in the road, and the headlights finally catch up to the object, and we get our first glimpse of these creatures in their full form. So we've seen the arms coming out of the trees. We've seen one of them perched in the trees. We saw one outside the window when Sailor was swimming, but we've never seen one in its full form. Right. And it's uh, it's a son of a bitch. Yeah, it's, uh, it's gnarly. It's got these long, spindly limbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this big mouthful of teeth. These big, just white, yellow eyes. No yeah, pupils, just... Yeah, but they don't look, like, head-on. They look kind of off-center. Right. So, it, it just this really weird, long, folded-up creature in the middle of the road. We're going to jump back to Sailor for a second, because her experience at this time is important as well. Uh, she's hallucinating uh, while she's swimming, which seems real dangerous. You're going to breathe in some water. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, she's in like in her hallucination, she decides she's going to go into the woods to confront these creatures. Right. Before that, she jacks a school bus. Yeah. Uh, now, Reg, the uh, book publisher, editor, whatever you want to call him. Family friend. Yeah. He's on his way home, and uh, he sees her and knows where her head's at right now, allegedly. So he decides he's going to go follow her, make sure everything's okay. Now, just as Reg thinks Sailor is just having one of her little episodes while she's in the woods, the creatures start coming out of the trees, and there's a lot of them. I mean, they're literally coming out the woodwork. Oh, I have to, I kind of have to allow that one. It was, I know, they're getting better as each like episode it was, goes by. It was easy and lazy, but also kind of clever. Like, you really straddle that line there for me. It's, it's making it hard. Again, every time we do this, I get a little better at it. So we jump back to Charlie back home. He hears a noise upstairs. Uh, go upstairs, and who do we find 
but that person who was pulling out their teeth on the lawn. Mm-hmm. And what's the first thing that this person does when Charlie walks in the room? This person cracks him in the back of the head with something and then immediately mounts his frontal torso so that he is unable to move. Like, somewhat, like, legs pinning his arms down as this person just straddles him in the face. Really uncomfortable. Uh, Depending on the situation, but yes, very uncomfortable. And again, back to this whole father-daughter situation, uh, Charlie's first thought is to ask, why are you in my daughter's room? Mm-hmm. To which this person just grabs this handful of powder and gently blows it in his face and says, I'm sorry, but you don't have a daughter. You have never had a daughter. That's ominous. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to know what's in that powder. Powder that can take away my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter three. In true witch's fashion, a lot of questions, no answers. Here's a flashback. Womp womp. Uh, so we get a flashback to the family playing hide and seek in a giant McDonald's play place tube structure thing. First of all, you know I want to say about. one thing right here, right now. There are adults inside of this play thing and there are matches involved with it. Nowhere have I ever been where adults have been allowed and hasn't been that awesome. Is this what took you away from it? This broke your suspension of disbelief? Absolutely. Okay. Well, if the listener can, can you know, let this one slide a little bit, uh, it's a great moment to kind of explain the family a little better. So uh, Lucy, and Char- uh, excuse me, Lucy and Sailor are hiding and Charlie's coming to find them. He does, but the only thing that he's concerned about is... Uh, Sailor's anxiety. Uh, we've kind of seen it a little bit right. so far in it, but it's the first time it's kind of openly talked about from what appears to be pre-bully shenanigans. Like, it's not something that she developed from the bulliness. It's something she's always had. And he's really concerned about her anxiety, uh, these panic attacks. Clearly, she has some kind of issues for right. a, at least a good portion of her life. And it looks like he's always kind of tried to help accommodate that for her. Now we jump to a modern equivalent because the way these flashbacks work is they're always a metaphor for what's going on right? in in the here and now. And now we have Charlie and Lucy in the woods looking for Sailor just like they were looking for Sailor in the play place. Yes. They're calling out. The sheriff is kind of deflecting the usual calm down. Right. No one's believing that somebody broke in and hit Charlie in the head and now we find out what they hit her in the or hit him in the head with mm-hmm. a peg leg. First of all, first CSI rule: don't start crying about the child being kidnapped till you know the child's kidnapped. Books call witches. Well, I know, but I'm just saying you we don't, know the child's kidnapped. We know that, but the first rule: don't worry about the child being kidnapped till you know the child is kidnapped. But this is not a crime procedure. I know this, this is isn't a, a crime horror pro- film. This is the moment where you start yelling at the screen, stupid white people. I'm talking about the people in the book, not us. I know, and that's why we're supposed to be screaming at them. We're not supposed to be siding with their police procedures. I'm just saying, why can't one person just go, okay, maybe some shit's going on here. 
Every single time. Well. Every time it's got to be. Nah, that ain't how Well, it works. in this instance, we'll delve into that later. Now, I'm, won't I'm, There's we? always a good reason, but it's just... It, Foreshadowing. And of course, as the reader, it's, it's important because it's supposed to be frustrating. But Omnipotent narrator. Damn it. Somebody get on Charlie's side for a moment. So the sheriff's telling him to calm down. He's deflecting. And then we flash back to that break-in mm-hmm. where Charlie got hit in the head yep. with a peg leg. Mm-hmm. This person's on top of Charlie. And now we know it's a she. Because there's a titty. Yeah. She's telling him that Sailor has been pledged. There it is again, that pledged word. Mm -hmm. Still don't quite know what it means, but now somebody else is talking about it. And she starts to explain it. Finally, we get some explanation. Uh, She's been pledged, which means she's going to be taken. One of the townies has slipped him something to make him forget about her. So that when she's taken, nobody will care. And Charlie's confused. Like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm talking about witches, Mr. Rooks. What the hell else do you think? Finally, witches. We now... With a Y. Yeah, with, with a Y, we finally get a reference to this thing. Now, at this point, are the creatures the witches? Or, or is she a witch? Yeah. Or, yeah, are the creatures a tool or, of witches? Like, what? We don't... Or regular people, witches, and everyone else is not a witch. So they're the outcasts in this time. Okay, I'm Knight. Gong, gong. Yeah, they, they do this really good slow reveal throughout the story as you're kind of fed little little bits, little pieces to kind of keep you hungrier almost mm-hmm. to find out what's going on. So we find out she's a woman, as Davis said, because she pulls out a titty. And she For lack pierces- of a better term pierces her nipple with it and then proceeds to jam it right into his belly button yeah right real, there in the middle that was a real rough moment for me it was uh and just she, like we're not <sighs> talking like a, we're not talking like a little prick here we're talking at least delving about two it's inches a long into needle. this it's a long very needle. long needle so he's already so he's already had some sort of powder blown in his face oh. and he's had something you know Taken from this woman's breast, which I assume is a blood or whatever is with her, and some, then shoved some into his belly button. And then he wakes up and she's gone. So, even more unsettling? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah. Yeah, but now we see Charlie's just kind of dealing with this because he's worried about Sailor. Running through so the woods. steps out into the woods to search on his own, and he finds Reg... Stuck in a tree like that woman in the very beginning. Uh, Reg is saying he can't see. He can't feel his legs. He can't do anything. He's just he's just freaking out inside this tree, mouth pressed against this this knot hole, for lack of a better term. With a K. And, and Charlie doesn't know what else to do. He just grabs a rock and starts trying to break into the tree, trying to break open this, this you know, hollow trunk to get right. Reg out. Yeah, and this, at that moment, the sheriff kind of goes up to him says hey look you know it's it's tough it's a hard moment calm down go home we'll we'll get this going everything will be fine and he turns back to the tree and there's nothing there huh mr rooks that hollow wouldn't fit a dog there's no way a person's in there now please so lucy and charlie are on their way back mhm yeah after a brief dialogue um and wondering why is Lucy driving in this situation? I mean, I nothing against the handy capable, but she does not have use of her legs. And Charlie, you know, 
even though he is in a distressful time right now, is not driving. And um, uh, why, why is that, Mike? Well, Lucy's a little worried that Charlie was hitting the, uh, the old sauce. Mm, yep. Uh, apparently, the uh, the sheriff smelled his mug. He was uh, drinking. How apparently. dare you? You work from home in a creative medium. How dare you have a beverage? I know. I know. It's, a da- it's almost like Stephen King. So as they're on their way home, uh, we get this diary page of sailors just kind of wedged in there. Uh, Davis, read that for us. There's a house in my neck. That's what it feels like. A hollow with a second me living in there. A sick me with her own thoughts, her own dreams. All she wants is one thing. To go back to them. The things in the woods. Sometimes I think I can hear her screaming in there. Screaming for her parents. I can almost see them. Out there in the trees. Waiting behind the branches. They have faces on the sides of their heads to peek around at me. If I listen, I can hear their teeth. Mom and Dad think I'm crazy. And maybe I am. I hope I am. I pinch the lump. And it's just a lump. It has no pulse. No teeth. I hope it's a tumor. Let it be a tumor. Please be a tumor. Someone cut it out. I don't want to go out there. I can hear their teeth at night. Hungry. They go. Chit. 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 So Sailor's in a bad place right now. Yeah. um, uh, I'd say so. Just... Watching someone get folded up inside of a tree in front of you, everyone thinking you killed someone, going to new school, well, seeing the things, and then having these giant well, well, type of creatures thing. just so, coming after you and no one believing you. Even at this moment, are we even sure they're real? I mean, every time we see this lump on the side of her head, when it's just her there, it has this eye-looking thing on it. It's this grotesque-looking lump. But yeah, but that's other people the thing, around. When it's when it's just her. Exactly. Which is why I love the medium of comics and why I love this. You're allowed to mess with people's sense of reality when it comes to things like this. Because we can look at this like an M. Night Shyamalan film where it's like, oh, no, 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 no. She really has a brain tumor. That's why all these things are happening. And it's just, oh, it's just problems from there. Oh, no, Annie, no, she really ran away and went off the military school, but no one told her because it was, you know. And that's the thing is that there's not enough for us to kind of make our minds up right now. So either this is the diary page of a very disturbed young woman, or this is the diary page of a very endangered young woman. Yeah. Either way, doesn't look good for, but Charlie and Lucy get home and out of desperation, Charlie takes a look at the wound in his belly and the veins in his belly have kind of darkened in a certain little, aspect. Little lacrosed. And they're spelling out the word here. Right. And Charlie's like, what, here? What do you mean here? And then a little light bulb goes off. Mm-hmm. Goes and checks the map. Exactly. It's where his heart is. Here in his heart is where all these problems are happening. No, that's because not. It, no. Did, did you read the second half of the book? Yeah, I did. I was just trying to make it funny. No. 
I was half expecting you to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I fell asleep. I didn't, I didn't quite get to the end of it, so just no. gonna, I'm just going to spitball the, the <laughs> end here and see what happens. Just going just gonna to improv it a little I'm, bit. I'm only here to read things really just, well. Just yes and me all day. So he checks a, uh, a map and finds, well, I don't know, finds, maybe knows, I'm not sure. Uh, there's a nearby point on the map. Hair point. Yeah. And, and it kind of clicks with him. He's like, I don't know. I might be crazy, but I just, I have to do this. I have to go. I have to go here. Is it just me or is naming the place here kind of lazy? Uh, or yeah. I, I don't, I was trying to find the deeper meaning of that. And I, I just struggled. I don't just think there is a deeper meaning to be quite honest. I mean, it's, I, I don't want to say it was a cop out, but I think it was one of those, like, let's not fo- Let's not spend 15 hours delving into ancient Latin scripts yeah, about witches symbolism to find this, this right, room. perfect thing to name this one point that we're probably not going to come to until probably book four or five whenever they close everything out. Yeah. We're halfway home. Issue yep. four. Charlie has convinced himself he's got to go to here point. Yes. But Lucy is adamant that this is a waste of time that this is not there's no witch there's no magic there's no whatever this crazy old right. lady was sales going to be coming home anytime soon yeah. now this, because this is she just, is just she exactly mentally unstable this exactly. is just this is just you and know where do the kids go and where do the kids always want to go well no, i always want to go they, they always return home is exactly that it's very much a oh she's she just kind of ran away she's feeling stressed so she she just ran off for a minute she'll be back anytime yeah, but Charlie just can't, he can't buy that. He's got to go at least try. Maybe there's nothing there, but he's got to at least check it out. Right. I mean, it, it's hard to believe that, you know, he would have such a very, you know, vivid memory of getting pinned down by a woman, getting a little bit of titty juice in his mouth from a needle after having stuff sprayed in his face and then getting stabbed in the belly button. What kind of alcohol makes you have that hallucination? Not absinthe because rumor flies told us that it actually was not the wormwood in there. It was actually horrible distillation and servicing problems. Which we no longer have. Yes, because, well, we've learned things. Science. Math. Podcasting. Algebra. Charlie also alludes to this previous self of his. Mm -hmm. Uh, The alcohol? Uh, The toughness on Sailor's kind of anxiety? Combination of two? Like, I, 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 we don't really know, but he, he just kind of, this gentle lewd and walks away. But Charlie goes to Here Point, finds a creepy old cabin with a creepy old lady in it. With a couple of, uh, couple of rats being boiled in a stew. Yeah. That's, um, uh, that's kind of gross. I, I really, so, creepy old woman has a gun to him. Mm-hmm. And I just love the fact that she call, just calls the knife a sticker. Yeah, he brought a knife to be safe. But again, rooks always bring knives to gunfights. This I, is I the guess. Second. Either that or rooks show up to knife fights and someone always brings a gun. So some someone's either they need to step playing their game poorly that's, or that's not. That's the key yeah. thing. They need that's, to step that's, their that's game that's up. That's really what this is about. But you're right. She tells him to drop the sticker and hands him a noose. Grab this rope. Says, hang it up. Mm-hmm. So, Charlie at this point still thinks witches are humans, like they're they're you know the kind of fairy tale creatures, but it's really right. people just taking on this persona like a secret society or something. 
Right. Or or they find a weird book somewhere and then they can, you know, turn people into nematodes. And then she throws him a skull. The eye sockets are not in the right place. The teeth are not the right length. I don't even see a nose hole, really, as far as, like, you know, where this thing would be. Yeah, we, we get back to that eye point, that that uh, the, journal entry that Davis read earlier. The, the, the face on the side of their yeah, head. Yeah, there's two eyes on the left side of the head and just this mouthful of horrific daggers. Just, like, three-inch long teeth, but they're not sharp. They look just kind of, like, muted down. Yeah, and the earlier little bit of description we get finally gets fully expanded. Witches are not people. They're these monsters that eat those who are pledged to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if someone pledges you, that means you probably won't be missed because somebody really wanted you gone in the first place. The witches take you at night and they eat you. Yeah. And the favorites kids, I think, is they're tender and I don't know. Well, they cooked in, they cook them in a cauldron and they roast it slow, like slow cooker style. Yeah, I, I feel like a kid at that point... Not a lot of fat, not a lot of tough meat. Like, you cook it too long, you're just going to overcook the thing. Well, well, that's the thing. It's, it's using a slow cooker, in my personal experience, it doesn't matter what meat you put in there for how, if you put in there for long enough, it just turns into shredded whatever it is. So the witches, like kids, uh, and you have to be pledged. Like we said, we finally get that explanation, too. Uh, someone pledges you right. to the witch. Pledged uh, is pledged. And in return, they get a wish. Yep. Maybe they want to heal an illness. Maybe they want someone to fall in love with them. Maybe they want to live forever or live for another hundred years or something. Yeah. Yeah. You, maybe, you, they, maybe they want a PlayStation 4. I feel like that's really aggressive, especially when the PlayStation 4 is probably going to be phased out in a year or two. Oh, no, not at sacrifice all. sacrifice a child. Well... I mean, if, if Clay Higgins can give up all of Acadiana Parish's, uh, you know, internet information for $300, then... Topical. You hear that, Clay Higgins? <laughs> yeah. I sure showed him. Yeah, fucking fuck. So we find this woman's backstory. Uh, she came to town to stop these witches. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's part of a group called The Irons, and that's about all we get for that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what my... I, did you do any research on the entomology behind like irons or that? And other like witch subcultures or witch cultures or things like that? No. Um, I mean, I, I really, as far as my general knowledge, I didn't see any correlation. Okay. I thought it might have just been a cool sounding word. Maybe there is something more detailed, but there's maybe, also going to be a volume two in the near future. So it, maybe it's the last name of the clan. Yeah. I don't Who know. knows? Um, so yeah, she came to town to stop the witches, but. The witches have basically, over time, kind of broken her down into her current state. Right. No hair. Just apparently, the, apparently the witches have what the little mites that live in people's hair and take over them that yeah, way. I, I guess some kind of weird bug thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she got no hair, terrible skin, teeth falling out. We find out why she wants to kill these witches, though. And she had been pledged previously, but escaped. She got Lieutenant Dand. Yeah, the witches ate her legs, which is why she hit Charlie in the head with a peg leg. Because if you have peg legs, I guess you always have a bludgeon. True. So she gets pledged. Her legs get eaten. She escapes, burns down the town, burns down the witch's burrow, I guess, where where they are. Uh, And now uh, she's pretty much part of this witch hunting group called the Irons. Mm -hmm. She's pretty much done. She's checking out here. She set up a kit for Charlie which has stink in it. And some pledge. 
Well, well hold on. What's stink, Davis? Stink? Yes. Uh, apparently, what this stink is, is it makes you completely invisible to the senses of the gnarly, nasty, side-head-eye witches. Yeah, you ever seen Walking Dead Season 1 where they cover themselves in the zombie guts? No. To walk through a field of zombies? No, but I have seen Shaun of the Dead where they pretend to be zombies to walk through the field of zombies. Yeah, kind of like that. Okay. Uh, And as you said, there's also some pledge in that kit. There's uh, some weapons. Bullets. Take on the witches. And it also has a list of the townspeople involved. She basically tells him, go find one of the townies on this list. Get them to take you to the borough. Like old Farmer McCready. I don't think there's a Farmer McCready in this. I don't think so either. Go to the borough, find your daughter, burn everything to the ground. I'm checking out. That's when she grabs the noose, puts herself in it, and hops off her peg legs. Yep. Just hangs out there. Real dramatic scene, because the whole time you're expecting her to put Charlie in it until she gives him the kit. And then you're like, okay, well, then what's the point of the noose? Boom. She's done. She's, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we check in with Sailor. Uh, and she's got this juxtaposition moment of her being in the burrow, the witch's burrow, and her being in a memory with her father. And as we said before, all of these flashbacks mimic right. the, the moment of the time. Kind of like a, uh, it's not foreshadowing, but doing a parallel. Yeah. Kind of side shadowing. I don't know if that's a term, but. It is now. Okay. There we go. Side shadowing. So. She, the, the scene that they have right now is Charlie drunk. Yeah. Pissed real drunk. drunk. Real drunk. And he is sitting in one of the like benches on a Ferris wheel at an abandoned amusement park. Real safe. Real Absolutely. safe. Really something you want to do whenever you're drunk that time. And he's goading Sale this entire time. Hey, come up here. Come on up. It's fun. Ah, come on up, Sal. Yeah. Just, just come on up here. And first, it's a little jovial. Mm-hmm. It's very much like, oh, mm-hmm. come up here, good dad. And, you know, like any rational at this time, 13 to 12 to 11-year-old kid, hey, dad, no, I don't want to climb up this, this abandoned kinda... piece of rickety, carny equipment. And he proceeds to go just... just Really dig into her. Really. really. So Charlie is just egging sail on to climb up this thing and she finally gets up to where he is and she's like help me dad i'm scared legitimately reaching out a hand as he is pulling back a bottle flash forward to now she's in the burrow on a giant pile of clothes and bags very holocaust-ish yeah yeah it's uh just the this remains of People that have apparently mm-hmm. fallen down into this little burrow. And now she's got to get out. Only way is up. So she starts climbing. So we're jumping back and forth between climbing the Ferris wheel, climbing in the burrow, climbing mm-hmm. the Ferris wheel, climbing the burrow. Really having a tough go of it. Both times. Yeah, yeah both times. Charlie's really fighting for her to, to be brave, to, to fight her fear, to fight her anxiety, to, to, to really you know, overcome that part of her. Um, Stop it. Kind of sweet, but kind of effed up. Like, Stop it. Stop being such a chicken shit for once and do it. I don't fucking get it. I believe in you. 
That is wonderful. Being just this, just break them down yeah, really and then say I believe like, in you. Like really aggressive. Like, like it's, it's a, you know you know you know the sandwich technique for for complimenting people. Compliment insult compliment. This is like an open face sandwich technique. Oh, this absolutely is. It's like oh you hog motherfucker, but you're pretty. <laughs> so yeah, like I said, kind of effed up, but kind of sweet. Like I see what he's trying to do. But the booze isn't really helping ooh, get the ooh, message like across. A, like a chocolate-covered Brussels sprout. Ew. After failing to motivate her by pretty much berating her, calling her names, and then saying, I believe in you, she says, fuck it, Dad. I'm not going to where you are. I'm going to the top. Yep, yeah, bad move. Bad move. Always a bad move bad to move. climb to the top of a stationary Ferris wheel. But she's finally embracing bravery. I don't... Again, just real effed up, but kind of... Sweet, kind of admirable. I don't. She gets up there. She slips. She falls. Drunk dad catches her. Yeah, good job, drunk dad. Good job. And hopefully, this is the foreshadowing for what's going here. Because Charlie's got his his list. He's got his tools. He's got to go save the day. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, this is the foreshadowing of he's gonna he help has rescue all of his mystical weapons. If we're if we're going upon the hero's journey archetype here. He has all of his mystical weapons. So he runs home. He tells Lucy, everything I thought was right, at least it's close. Some weird stuff going on. I got to do this. I'm going to go rescue Sailor. To which Lucy says, But tell me one thing. Who's Sailor? Stomach drop. Just immediately, I guess somebody's got to Lucy. Somebody slipped whatever the hell they were trying to slip Charlie. And she's forgotten who Sailor is. Issue five. There's a pain chart assessment for the first page. I thought that was great. Yeah. Like the, uh, no pain, mild pain, moderate pain, moderate pain, severe pain, worst pain possible, eyes closed. When you just read about a mom forgetting her daughter, I feel like a pain chart for the very next scene is pretty appropriate. It's very, very appropriate. But this moment kind of affirms... Charlie's belief. You know, he's like, oh, the woman's right. If my wife could forget my daughter, then that means everything she said was right. I got to go stop this. Mm-hmm. Just that moment, the sheriff walks in. Of course, the police walk in. Yeah, and you know, the, the like sheriff's that. being as old, you know, hokey pokey sheriff. Everything okay? My name's Sheriff Petal. Charlie takes a quick glance over to that list of names he's got. Guess who's on it? Sheriff Petal. Now the sheriff's apathy and unwillingness to let him pursue any of this finally makes some sense here. Charlie tackles the sheriff, wrestles with him, takes his gun, puts his gun to his head, and orders the sheriff to take him to the burrow. They're trekking out to the burrow, and the sheriff tells Charlie he needs to switch sides. Witch hunters always end up being accused of being witches, and they get burned or drowned for it. That's how this works. Davis, read this page where the sheriff gets pistol whipped. Ah, come on now. We're all selfish creatures. And they're the gods of selfishness. They can smell it in us. It attracts them. The needs and wants, hormones and such, they can sniff out. They come to you when you want them to. Yeah, you understand. Maybe it's best, eh? Walk you around in a circle a bit. Meander. Stroll until we're sure she's... Real bleak view of humanity here. Yeah, yeah, 
humans are the gods of selfishness. You can see some resemblance, though. But you see exactly where these kind of townspeople are. Just this moment, they find themselves at the base of this gnarled, huge tree. And this is the entrance to the burrow. Again, we get a flashback. Charlie's trying to get Sailor to be less anxious, and she finally snaps. Just can't take it anymore. She doesn't want to be so anxious, and it sucks. She says it's like being in a pit, and it lasts for weeks. And now he tries to reach out, and she just screams at him, Shut up, you're not even in here. He enters the burrow. Mm-hmm. I love this part. Because it's, it's the perfect use of this flashback, flash-forward moment. They do a really, really beautiful job of marrying these two together right now. It is. It's a wonderful paralleling of how, you know, it's kind of like these two have gone through this before. Jumps back to the flashback and Charlie recognizes he's been drunk and distant for weeks and she's needed him. And then she says that she was looking forward to being a big sister to a normal kid. And we look past the scene and we see they're outside of mom's hospital room. Mm Mm-hmm. After mom, assumably, after mom got into that wreck. So we have a wreck that paralyzed mom that also terminated a pregnancy that then shortly thereafter, Sale was traumatized when a bully tried to get her to do a horrific act and was pulled into a tree. Yeah, needless to say, that's... It's real bad luck for this family. Uh, that's probably a very good reason why they got out of that town. Yeah, um, I, A lot I, of bad memories. I want to leave positive things. at that point. Uh, but we see um, Charlie's crawling to the burrow, uh, and there's this narration. Well, after he covered his entire body and mouth in stink. Well, of course. Are you jumping in a witch's burrow without putting stink in your mouth? So as he's crawling through the burrow... He's covered in stink. Of course he's covered in stink. That stink is stinky. I hope that's not... That dirty, dirty... So he's crawling through the burrow and we get this beautiful narration from the flashback in this moment, directly addressing this really heavy moment from a a bit ago of Sailor looking for this normal childhood moment through a younger sibling. Sailor, there's nothing I want but you, your bravery, your intelligence. Your anxieties and panics and just all of it. You're just the kid I ordered. They embrace. Both in the burrow and in the flashback. They finally connected. They finally met in the middle. And they're finally going to help dig themselves out of this hell that they're currently in. He finds her in the cauldron. We talked about earlier, this slow cooker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's nearly unconscious from the heat. Yeah. Um, you know what else that heat does? It melts off the stink. It melts off the stank. And now the witches are coming. Issue six. This is it. Final chapter. Things are getting rough and heavy. They start fighting their way out. Just shooting flares and stabbing witches and running around, doing all kinds of crazy nonsense. They get out of the burrow and they run home, but the witches are following them. You know who else is following them, Davis? The townspeople. Everyone. Everyone's converging on the home. One of us. One of us. One of us. 
So they run home, and Charlie tells Sailor to head for the basement. There's supplies down there. There may be a way out. Mm-hmm. But as she gets to the door... Hashtag Lu- shots fired. Lucy cracks her in the head. That too. Mom just hits Sailor in the head. Knocks her out cold. Now, a minute ago... Well, I in a minute, but like an issue ago, Mom didn't know who Sailor was. Exactly. Now, all of a sudden, she's hitting strangers in the head? That doesn't sound like something someone in a wheelchair would do. And then it gets worse. She turns and she shoots Charlie in the leg. Yep. Then, then she, she stands. stands up. Mom's standing up. And after saying, it's like, no, 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 no. I'm saving us. What happened, Davis? We finally know what happened. Lucy pledged sailor. Mama's ancestors back in the day done fucked up. And one of them goddamn pledged. And then after one of them got pledged, they just kept on passing it down a generation, a generation, a generation, a generation, until finally someone had to pay the piper. It was actually a pretty good description of it. That's what I thought. So yeah, that kid from the beginning, Lucy's great-great-grandfather. Mm-hmm. He got pledged. He turns around, double pledges his parents. Mm-hmm. I guess that kind of appeased the witches. Eh. Because they took the parents. Yep. Um, now I kind of get wh- how you know why this little kid was so cold. I was like, woman, you were going to give me to some witches to so, eat, so that you could, I don't know, do whatever, get L- something, do any. Still, you're going to give me hundred dollars. Ch- yeah, this, PlayStation Four. This is this is ridiculous, but it's not enough because witches like kids. Two parents, one kid. They're not equal. Not the same no, thing. It, it's more quantity over quality at that time. So the family's been ducking it, been ducking it, been ducking it, been ducking it. But she saw it coming on the horizon. Mm-hmm. She knew it the moment she saw that witch in the road and she hit it. She knew that was that was the witches coming for them, trying to get their, their due. Mm-hmm. She'd hoped the miscarriage was going to appease them. Mm-hmm. And she hoped the taking of Annie, the bully, would appease them. She pledged Annie, too. It did nope, not. it didn't. They want one of her family. So she decided to pledge Sailor. She's trying to reason with Charlie. She's like, look, they're never going to stop. But at least this way, we can have a normal life. We can, we can be happy. We can have a normal child. It's and like, you can stop exactly. being worried about your anxious daughter all the time. Take it into their own hands. Aggressive. Right. Just take one sip of this drink. And we light this box of all of her possessions on fire. Which I will say, for being a teenager, having just one box worth of possessions, way to keep minimalistic. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know about you, but with evacuating, not a lot of things I would take. Valid. At a certain point, you kind of learn to pick and choose the things you really want to pick, you know, take. Now, I, I don't know where this is set. It seems kind of Stephen Kingy, like, you it's know, definitely Northeast. a Northeast, Yankee land. Yeah, yeah. so I don't, I, don't, I don't know what kind of... In England. Maybe she evacuated from a really bad nor'easter once. And then, you know, that's where it comes from. I guess that's what nor'easters do. I don't know. All I don't know is about Sandy. Wasn't that a hurricane type Superstorm! So at this point, it looks like Charlie might have broken. He goes over to Sailor, and he's going to kind of ease the bad news to her. And now the witches are closing in. Pledged is pledged. Pledged is pledged. Pledged is pledged. 
Yeah, the townspeople are closing in. The witches are closing in. Everybody's yelling, pledge, displedge. Sailor's freaking out. Charlie, at the last second, sticks his hand in the pledge juice, and he's going to go embrace her. He says it's for the best. He says he loves her. Psych. He hands her all the gear. He slaps himself and Lucy in the face, and he runs out of the house screaming. <clears throat> he's just pledged himself and his wife to save his daughter. Calling all monsters. I'm coming for you because I am Charlie Rooks, proud father of the gray slayer of mythological beasts of all time. It's a callback to the earlier. Yeah. Issue one, panel number five or six. Yeah. 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 He runs out lost in a sea of witches. Witches surround mom. Start taking her out. Sailor grabs the gear. She runs outside and confronts the town people. Including her friend. Yeah, the quote-unquote friend. From the first one saying, I told you we met. You were sort of a big deal around here, Sailor Rooks. And then in wonderful horror story fashion, a little bit slapsticky, Sailor grabs one of those fertilizer attachments for the hose. That's a foamer. Fills it with pledge and sprays the entire town in her front yard. I pledge the whole fucking town. Boom. Chaos ensues. Witches start tearing into people. There's screams. There's bloody murder on the background. She cuts a cop in the face. Yeah, that was kind of cool. That, that, that guy was a dick. Yeah. Pedal. She hops in the car. She drives away. And for now. Real roller coaster there at the end. Yeah. Got real yeah. actiony, real um, quick. Uh, it definitely was the, uh, as far as hitting the climax and immediately ending perfect yeah so let's address some of the big themes here like we always do first i want to talk about the mental health issues through the lens of this horror story yeah now i love genres like horror specifically for this reason you can really address certain issues in a well-veiled enough metaphor that you can kind of get to your, I guess, your target audience, but mm-hmm. they don't know they're the target audience. You're not you're not playing to your own crowd. You might be able to break through to some people who wouldn't normally be interested in this kind of story. Right, and dealing with the medium of comics, being able to be the medium that is, you know, shown and expressed things that you can't normally have, you have a hard time kind of talking about, but if you throw it into a comic book, you can kind of get those ideas that a little bit more placatable to people. Yeah. Now the the mental health to horror, um, there there's both there's a terrifying nature to a problem you can't control. Yeah. Whether it is this supernatural threat or it's this uncontrollable anxiety right. that you're dealing with. And when I first kind of read through this story, it, it I almost didn't see it. Like I almost didn't see that kind of comparison. But especially when you go back and you look at those flashbacks. And you have these moments where Sailor is dealing with her own anxieties. She's dealing with her family, Mm -hmm. interpersonal problems. And you have her dealing with the the witches and and doing all these things. You know, you really see how dealing with her own anxieties is exactly like dealing with these monsters. There's a despair to it. uh, But there's also this struggle to fight. And, And I thought that was a really cool way to 
kind of give credence to the mental health issue. If you're kind of dismissive of mental health, you right. know, problems like some people are just cause you really can't quantify a mental health problem. Like you can quantify a physical ailment much easier than you can quantify a mental health problem. But by framing it through this lens, you can really kind of connect with her on a, on a level that maybe you wouldn't be able to connect with somebody dealing with these high anxiety kind of problems. Right. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, that's all I really got, man. I was going to try to make like, a, oh, everyone's own personal demons type of analogy here. But no, really, this is this is a, a, a for that thing that's coming to get you that thing. It's it's high end paranoia with some people mm-hmm. uh, just this. Uh, I don't want to say like a hypochondriac, but kind of like a uh, I know this is I know this is happening. I know something's wrong. I know something is wrong. This is not right. I know something is wrong. Well, just just, just trying and then trying to get people that are saying. No, no, it's, there's nothing wrong. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. This isn't, this isn't anything you worry about. This is just, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just your mind playing tricks on you. It's the new house. Of course there's random creaks and whatnot that happen. Yeah. It's that common horror trope of no, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Which is a common answer for someone who doesn't understand mental health problems addressing someone with mental health problems. It's like, yes, going off of all those memes that you see where it's like, you don't need, you don't need to take pills. Just go take a walk in the woods. Well, first of all, we live in a There's big... witches in the woods. Don't go out there. That's what I learned from this book. Exactly. And we live in a big city. The closest woods are like a couple hours out of town. The other great story behind the story for this one uh, is this father-daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. It's the main focus of this book is... Charlie's worry for his daughter out of a place of love. And especially in these kind of problems she's having, like, what do you do when the person on the planet that you care about the most is having a problem that you can't help with? And also you are having your own issues. You are having to deal with to not help them the best way that you can with his alcoholism. Yeah. And I, I I see that as a manifestation of, his inability to help. It's mm-hmm. a, its own loss of his control because he can't help her. So that spirals into his own life. See, he reminds me of like, I, I brought this up. I archetypical, the hero's tale. The hero has to have a fall in order for them to get redemption. I kind of feel like we don't, we didn't get to see his whole tale. We just got his fall and redemption. At see, the end. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to argue. We, saw his tale. He's he's the character who has the growth in the story. Sailor's already kind of done her growing. Mm-hmm. She has that little bit near the end where she's climbing out of the burrow by herself. But that it's not really even her story. It's his. He's going from this aggressive, overprotective, worrying father to this, I can't deal with this properly. I'm drinking, I'm lashing out, I'm doing these different things to, okay, I don't understand this, but I'm going to struggle to try and figure it out, which is where he's going to meet the old woman with the irons and he's going to take these risks and chances that don't make any sense, but he thinks they might help his daughter. To him finally fighting his way into the burrow, meeting with his daughter, connecting with her, them beating this problem together and him ultimately sacrificing himself, passing the torch on to her, which is he's now so trusting, so understanding, so believing in her 
that he is confident enough to step away. It's almost the metaphorical death of him. You don't need me hovering. I'm out. You are good by yourself. You have conquered these demons with a little bit of help from me, but I was just there supporting you. Right. And that's where I needed to be. You needed to do this yourself. You're there. So it's more of he is the act, he's really acting as the loyal retainer slash mentor aspect in that one. See, I no, where, I, where I I mean he has there has to be some level I don't, of the previous mentorship as far as like being there beforehand as the, as the girl's father. Just because you made her doesn't mean you're above her. I get that. But there has to be at least something. I mean, going back to the first issue, where they're talking about, all right, uh, hippogriffs, what do you do? There at least was some form of rapport between the two of them. No, I, I, no, no. I think that's where we're disconnecting. I'm not saying there's no rapport. I'm saying he needed way more growth than she did. Oh, well, He's yeah. not the mentor figure. He's the main character. She's not done growing. She's She's already beyond him. In that growth factor. I think he is the one the story's about. He's the character that needed to develop. I And I get that. Which is why I say his death at the end is the true... It's it's the hero's tale. He dies at the end saving one person. And her tale is going to continue after this. Most likely she'll be bald. But her tale will continue after this. Why, be, why, be why bald? Why, why bald? Uh, because the uh, the witches, they keep the mites in your hair. The same reason why the Irons lady didn't have any hair. Yeah, but when she described the mites, she didn't describe it in context with the legs being bitten. She described it as if there were two separate events. Right. So which I is, don't know. Which is why she didn't have any hair. Hell, all the, I don't know. The second volume hasn't come out yet. All the Irons could not have hair. We what? don't know. But I'm saying this is with, with the father. That is the end of his tale. And yes, he did grow. He had to grow. We saw him just, if we're going in context of flashbacks to everything, because we didn't see any birth stories. We saw in context of her being this kid going through the being worried about her, keep on going, everything else going after that, having him to get to this redeeming factor within himself and then dying sacrificing himself in order to help the next generation go. Her story has yet to begin. That's what I'm trying to say. Sailor's story yeah, I, has, I, not, has not begun yet. We, we're, this, I, I think we've already met taste. at the end. I, I think just your, your way of describing it to get to that end point was the part that wasn't connecting with just me. Just arguing the same point again, huh? Kind of. Uh, it happens. Kind of. But still, we didn't see him die. We saw him run into a collection of witches. Yes. Which had just true. gotten frenzied because the entire town sprayed with pledge. So maybe he survives. We don't know. But you know, I, I think you do have a point in that volume one is his story. Volume two, I believe, is going to be much more about Sailor's development from her current point. All right. And to my earlier point, the thing I love about this medium, comics and horror separately and together is that you can get somebody who's not reading a mental health story mm-hmm. to read a mental health story. You can get somebody who's not reading this father, daughter, personal development story to read this story. I'm not watching that father, daughter development movie. It's not going to hold my interest. I'm, I, I wish it could. I'm sorry. It's just not going to do it to me. But if you wrap it in witches and action and terror and all of this, I'm so on board and then I get this experience and this this knowledge that I wouldn't have otherwise. It's managed to 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 really to really dig in there. Unlike, unfortunately, 
our drinking issues series recently, which has just been play to the crowd who's already buying this story. Right. This is a case of let's teach the person that bought this something that they didn't think they were going to learn. Right. Like they, they came in, they came in wanting a horror story and they got a small slice of life about mental health. And that's the thing is you or, or a crumbling family dynamic. Yeah. And you don't need to take that. You can just take the horror story, but if you really were open to more experience, yeah, it's kind of glean a little bit extra out of it. It, it was, it was there for you. Also, I loved the reimagining of the classic monster. I really like those kind of stories. Uh, and we've gotten it a lot lately with zombies and vampires and, uh, don't, don't and werewolves worked, and things like this. I worked at like Hot this. Topic. It, no creature from the Black Lagoon, though. But I haven't seen it from the witch's point of view. This reimagining of the witch, which has almost gotten so aggressively cartoony it, it, that well, it, it's lost all of its fear factor. Well, I wouldn't, I'd say cartoony, but also more of a uh, just making witches good. Like if you even looking back at um, uh, Charmed in mm-hmm. that show, American, wh- Horror Story. American Horror Story, Sabrina the Teenage Witch with Hilda and Zelda and Salem the Cat. It, it's it's making the witch a oh, oh bewitched, not the Will Ferrell movie, but the she but the TV show because that mm-hmm. was better apparently. But it, it's taking this idea of this oh witches like y'all y'all remember like you know. 200 years ago, we were kind of burning people at the... Well, that might or might not have happened. Thanks again, rumor flies. There was a tiny bit of burning. There was definitely some burning. There's definitely some... It may not have been all of it, but there was a little bit of burning. There was some burning. There was some drowning. There was probably some stoning to death. Who knows? But it's it's taking this, um, uh, this idea of something that was once feared and then, you know, kind of, you know, Disney-ifying it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then now it's like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. These are witches with a Y. Let's, let's bring them back to the roots. What made people so frenzied about them hundreds of years ago. Let's, let's bring back some of that horror that we've lost over time. Get rid of the witches are people too. They're not people <laughs> <laughs> Witches aren't people. It's, it's, a, it's, it's directly from the book. Witches are a separate thing. Witches are a separate entity. We have to take a minute to talk about the art. All right. The art in this book deserves more notes than we usually give art. It's uh And I know it's hard to explain done. art in an audio medium. All right. Viewers, listeners, I know this is an audio medium, but close your eyes. Unless you're driving, then don't close your eyes. So imagine if you're just reading a regular comic book, you know, the squared rectangular panels. There's color in the background there's color in the foreground there's color in the people there's nice beautiful just ink work for all these outlines and everything and then you just kind of throw a translucent layer of multiple paints over it kind of spraying it around it doesn't change the color extremely like it doesn't change blues to reds or anything but it just kind of sets these overall hues these overall hues of everything going in the story. Earlier, we were talking about the uh, sailor's red hair contrasting all of the blue and then the, the dusty, like, yellow background. But it just kind of accents everything, which is why we had to bring up the fact that there's four different people on the cover of this just for the artwork alone. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. 
That's a really good way to put it. The drawings themselves have a little bit of a sketchiness to it. Not not in a bad way, but just it's not perfectly clean lines, not perfectly clean angles. Right. It's got this kind of motion, this unsettling kind of aspect to it. It brings a lot of motion, emotion to the, the human faces, but it makes the witches... Um, you ever see like a cockroach just sitting there? Yep. And you're just waiting for it to skitter? That's what it gives to the witches. They look like they're always just about to skitter across the floor, like in this weird chittering motion very quick and, right. and creepy but, but not like but not like an attack form like a cat ready to attack more of like a ready to just is it is it going to come towards me yeah is, is it, it is it coming at me away? is it away is, is it, it just going to jump up in the air it it, it adds that kind of that little jumpiness factor that you get out of horror films almost because every time you see the witch you're just like what's it going it, it puts you on at a, a slight unease the colors of it for the most part are very very dark um, but not excessively, you know, it really, they set the mood well, but even in the bright moments, it's not bright there's still a mutedness to it. There's still some pullback as if it's the happiest moment out of this situation. Like it's not a happy moment. There's never a happy moment in this story. No, there's just the happiest you're going to get for a while. And then you have, as you described it, this kind of spatter technique, which in the back, it really does. It breaks down how it was done, where he he does the sketch, he inks it, he does the first pass of paint, and then he took paint on canvas, spattered it, then took a digital image of that and rendered it underneath mm-hmm. the existing image. So it gives it this this kind of blood spattered look but it's never bloody red like that it's too easy it's always a color that kind of either works really well with the moment or really jars right the rest of the palette and, and it, it either kind of eases you in or sets you on edge you know there, there's the use of every bit of visual imagery to really set you on the edge of your seat which you'd normally get out of the music and some of the cinematography of a movie and you can't get it out of there so they find different ways through this kind of medium to really get you anxious, get you nervous while you're reading this book. And I, I really thought that was a, a great way to convey that. It's not just a flat story. It's just as engaging. It's just as unsettling as you can get out of a really good horror film. Right. Let's jump into the ratings. Pick a number between one and three. Two. I'll go first then. Okay. Buy. Buy it, buy it, buy it. If you like horror, it's a great horror story. If you like human stories, it's a great human story. If you like interesting art in this medium, it's a great exploration of a different technique for art. It's a great story. It's a great exploration. You get a whole lot more than you were coming in for. It's got great pacing. It throttles up and down. It really just kind of hooks you. It hooks you, makes you want to keep reading. Every answer to a question brings you two more questions. And it really makes you want to turn the page, want to keep going, want to find out what's going to happen. I was engrossed the entire time through. I've read it multiple times through. Uh, It's got a reread factor to it. It absolutely does, in my opinion. I think it's a great book to have in your collection if you appreciate the medium of comics, if you appreciate horror 
If you're just looking for something interesting and different to read, I think this is a great book to pick up. As usual, it's a trade paperback. It's not outrageously expensive. Well worth the list price, unlike, unfortunately, some books on the shelves. But I would say if you have any desire to put a graphic novel at all in your collection, this is definitely one of them. I want to say mine with a slight caveat to it. Okay. So I didn't know this was the only one until you told me earlier today. I thought there was another one after this. And I got really excited because after rereading this thing, I was like, oh, yeah, I do. You know, I'm just going to pick up the second one, see what happens after this. When the second one comes out, this is a buy. Mostly because I want to know what happens with the rest of this story. I, uh, I, I did enjoy the slice of life of it all. I did enjoy this fun, that I don't want to say romp, but I, I really enjoyed this fun, like, interesting new story. Like, it's not like any of the ones we've read where everything kind of, like, even after book one, everything has, like, a really nice bow on the end of it all. There is no bow. There's barely wrapping paper on the end of this story. And I really want to know what happens next. I want to explore this mythos. I want to know what's happening after this. And if they don't come out with another one after this, borrow. So that's the caveat. If... It doesn't keep going if it's just a one-time deal yeah. and it leaves you with this unanswered question. That's a little too much for you. Yeah, just borrow it, read it, and don't enjoy it for the story that it is. Don't delve too much into it. But rereading this again, I really enjoyed re-seeing these events that happened. And I want to know what happens to Sale. I want to know, like, and, and even some of the best parts of the story that I enjoyed, we didn't even talk about. Oh, no, th- there's a whole lot um, to unpack in this book, and we we went into a lot of detail. I really love... And it, there's still the, a whole lot we didn't touch on. The family dynamic is the part that I really enjoyed, was just the, the, the way this family interacts with each other and how they were able to see this family after all these tragic events, and you're not even knowing why, how they interact with each other, how they interact with their environment, how they interact with their coworkers, how they interact with their friends that know each other. Like, it's it, it it's great. But again, volume two, if it comes out, buy. If they don't come out with another volume after that, no, I'll borrow it. Well, like I said, allegedly, they began work on in September. So we started working on the new script in September. So fingers crossed it doesn't get derailed. We get going. Well, unless they, unless they stop printing books. That's what comiXology is for, Davis. Yeah, you could you can take that digital stuff and go ones and zero it. I like I like holding, you know, pulped wood in my hand. Hipster. Go analog, baby. Postmodern. Do you have anything else you want to add to this? Uh pew pew pew. Nah. It's good. I liked it. I can't wait to volume two. Probably not gonna buy the singles, but I can't wait for can't wait to borrow the trade from you and eventually buy it once it becomes an entire series out. I'll probably buy the singles. There we go. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We are uh, Jacks of Trades Podcast at gmail.com. We are at Jacks Trades Pod on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook.com slash Jacks Trades Pod. Uh, you know, we are on Stitcher, Google Play, and iTunes. Please go write us reviews. Uh, they really do help us out a lot, help us get out there. Um, Rate us. Yeah. Rate us, write reviews, share the episodes, tell your friends, 
sit Nana down to listen to it. I don't think she'll like this too much, but mm-hmm. but still, if it, it, maybe she's a little little dementia, she won't know any she better. Might like the and it's an extra one. listen for us. It'd be great. Uh, as usual, we have been here with uh, Greg at In Depth Media. Thanks to Daniel Desimony for our editing work. I'm sorry for all the work you're gonna have to do for this, <laughs> but you contributed, so thank you for that. Uh, if nothing else, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm Mike. I'm Davis. Have a good one. Adios. Hey everyone, as always, thank you so much for listening to Jacks of Trades with your hosts, Mike and Davis. One little quick thank you to all of you. This is coming out about two or three weeks after our April Fool's episode. It is by far one of our most successful episodes. Exponentially more traffic to the website, tons of shares. Like, Thank you all so, so much for all the support of that. Mike and Davis suffered horribly with Marvel, <laughs> and poor Desi had to edit that. But thank you all so much for your support. It means so much to us. Um, we continue to work really hard on this show, and uh, any shows of support mean a lot to us. So again, thank you so much. The reviews, the feedback, the sharing, it uh, makes all the world different. So once again, thank you, and have a good one. She's older than Yeah, she's only 13. <laughs> I said every week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>